0: Well, good evening. It's great to be with you here. Tonight, I'm going to share with you a way to impact someone's eternity. Tonight, you are going to learn, and tonight, you might actually even impact someone's destiny, moving them from hell to heaven. Okay, you can say, whoa, anytime you want. You just thought you were coming to a talk, hearing about prayer, hearing about the Lord. Now I'm going to share with you a part of our Catholic tradition in prayer. It's drawn from the scriptures. It's part of our Catholic faith. You're going to hear about saints. You're going to hear about catechism, and you're going to hear about a way to impact someone's eternity. That's a big deal. I'm talking about intercession. Intercession, what's intercession? Intercession, we pray for someone else. Uh, I'm sure you've met someone, like you haven't seen them in a while, and you know them from faith and church and all that, and you're like, you know what, let's pray for each other. Yeah, every day, let's pray for each other. Got it, you're on my list, I'm on your list, let's go. You see them a year later and they say to you, Tom, I just want you to know, I have prayed for you every single day. And I look at them and I say, thank you. That's an intercessor. An intercessor is someone whose heart has become opened enough to receive in another person and their situation, and you carry that person and their situation before the Lord. I was giving a talk back 20 years ago. like 2002, down in Houston. I was at this conference, and, and I was sharing at that point about Carrie and me and our situation around children. You see, at that particular moment in our married life, we had gone through quite a bit. Now, you know that if you, if you know us at all, we're blessed with nine kiddos. But some of you know a bit about our history, where we experienced, when we got married, four years of infertility. We really struggled to have children. And we sought the Lord. We cried out to God. And we got pregnant, had a miscarriage. We were blessed with a, finally blessed with a child, And then came a series of miscarriages. We have more children on earth, I'm sorry, in heaven than on earth. But at the end of the conference, there were these sisters from Prayer Town. If you want to get people to pray for you, get people who live in a place called Prayer Town, okay? It's a good sign. And we were in the parking lot and I was getting ready to go back to the airport. And they said, can we pray for anything for you, Tom? And I said, yes, my wife, Carrie, and I Long to have children, but we are really struggling. They surrounded me. A bunch of nuns surrounded me in this parking lot in Houston, Texas, and they started praying. I mean, laying hands, praying, praising, crying out to God in a parking lot out loud Lord, heal them, hear their prayer, give them children, bless them, Lord. Let's see, it was about nine months later, we had a child, and then it was 14 months later, another child, 14 months later, another child, 14 months later, another child, 16 months later, another child, 18 months, later, and then we called us and said, Stop. Pray for someone else. And truth before God, when Carrie and I are out at events, and people come to us and they say, We are struggling with conceiving a child. We're like, ooh, we know a little bit about that. And so we pray, listen now, we pray that all of that holy intercession that was coming towards us, it would be imparted to the other. And we say, send us a picture of the baby a year from now. It's happened a number of times where, And it's obviously because I'm so holy. No! This is the power of intercession. Intercessory prayer. Tonight we're going to explore the Catholic tradition of intercessory prayer. Okay, so first of all, the call. We're all called to intercede. Remember now, discursive prayer we talked about in week one. Remember, praise, thank, petition, intercession. And we explored praising God. What does that look like? We didn't go into so much uh, gratitude or thanksgiving. Petition is when you pray for yourself. Very natural thing. We all do that. Intercession is when we pray for others. That's the difference. The Lord does want you to pray for yourself, for good things for your life. He expects it. Look at the Our Father. It's filled with petitions. He longs to give you good things more than you want to receive them. And so petitioning, you, put, you pray for salvation, for your heart's desire, for daily bread, forgiveness, guidance, protection, all of those things. Beautiful, wonderful. And that's not difficult to get us to be committed to. The greater challenge is to understand the call of intercession. Now, intercession is when we pray for others. And if we're going to understand it, it goes back our relationship with Jesus. We're members of the body of Christ. Jesus is what? The one great intercessor to the Father. All intercession ultimately leads to the Father through the Son, the great intercessor. But there's also the Holy Spirit involved, and it's the Holy Spirit who's going to stir in our hearts, pleading. So It says in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit groans. He pleads for us, and for the saints. And so we're not going to have to sort of figure out, like, who is it we're supposed to pray for? No, the Holy Spirit is going to stir within your heart those whom he is putting into your heart for you to carry to the Lord, for you to carry to him. And so it's something that we're called to do here on earth, but guess what? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. What are they doing in heaven? Two acts. They're worshiping God and they are praying for us. The two ultimate mysteries are the Trinity and the communion of saints. Those are the ultimate mysteries of our faith. The blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the communion that exists among us the saints. Saint Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, said, I will spend my heaven doing good on earth, interceding. Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. So when we are interceding, we're joining in our heavenly activity. We're getting suited, fitted for heavenly life. And so when we think about the idea of bearing fruit with our lives, fruit that endures, like, I want to do something with my life. I want to spend my life doing something that's going to outlive life on earth. Intercessory prayer has an impact that goes all the way to heaven. What are the obstacles Quickly, what's an obstacle to uh, intercessory prayer, some of them? Well, a lack of humility, things that get in the way, our own selves. We can spend so much time just focused on ourselves and what we need, we never come outside ourselves. But even more than that is a lack of faith. We just don't really expect that much from God. We expect so little of God. We're going to explore that. A lack of hope. A lack of hope is what? We get distracted. It's one and done. Like I said a prayer and the Lord didn't answer it. And so I did my job. I interceded. Or it's a lack of love. A lack of giving of ourselves. A lack of a sense of being committed in prayer. Committed to a cause through our intercessory prayer. That's a really powerful way that the church, the body of Christ, expresses a loving dedication, is through intercessory prayer. Well, what about the need for intercession? There's some pretty striking things here that you can see in the scriptures. How do do the blessings of God reach our lives? How do the good things that God intends for you reach your lives? Well, the first is this. God gives us good things without us. God gives us good things without asking us like life like he redeemed us before we were even born right Matthew chapter 6 is full of all these good things in the sermon on the mount that the Lord gives to us without our even asking that's the first the second is this God gives us good things despite us so many of the good things that God gives to us we just don't deserve look at Solomon Solomon, right, in the temple in 2 Kings chapter 3, not in the temple, sorry, he goes up to the high place, right, the place of of worship of a foreign god. And there he's asleep in this high place, in this place of worship of a foreign god. He goes to sleep after he's offered like a thousand cattle, a thousand uh, sacrifices he's offered there. Like the worst thing a king can do is lead God's people into false worship. So here he is in the most prominent, famous high place, offering a massive sacrifice, and now he's sleeping there, and the Lord appears to him. And the Lord says to him, you're in trouble. That's not what he says. You know what he says? He says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want discernment. Yeah, good, good decision. I want wisdom to know right from wrong. That's where Solomon became wise. He was given that gift purely out of God's mercy when he was radically failing in his mission. God gives you good things despite you. But God also gives us good things with us. Do you want to receive? The Lord doesn't make it tricky. If you want to receive, what you have to do is ask. If you want the door open, what do you have to do? Knock. You want to find what do you have to do? Seek. So there are blessings that God intends through our efforts. Okay. Should I put mom and dad on the spot here? What do you think? Okay, yes. There was a yes there, Lucas. Sorry. Sorry. Lucas and Al. Okay, so um, Lucas, here's what I want you to know: the Lord intends blessings to come to your wife. Do you know that? Yes, you do. Do you know that there are some blessings? that the Lord intends to come to Elle's life only through your prayer. If she receives them, it's because you've prayed. Boom is right. Let's go. What are you waiting for? How shocking is that? The mystery of God's plan is that God intends to bless the ones that he has placed you in relationship with. So St. Thomas Aquinas says this. He says that the, the first you should love, love your neighbor as yourself, but the first neighbor you should love are those that God has planted you in the midst of, your own family. And so they should be first in your heart, first in your concern, not the only ones, but first. Why? God honors the relationships he established. God honors the relationships he established. If God established you as a father of that son, as a mother of that daughter, as a husband to that wife, God says, I intend to use you as a conduit of blessings to your kids to your spouse, to each other. There's something at stake in you being the father, the mother, the husband, the wife, the child, the sibling, the child to the parent. God's planted you there, and he's like, I got you there because through you, I intend to bless this family. Do not doubt the radical importance of intercession as the way that God has ordained blessings to reach your loved ones. What's the experience of intercession like? Well, it's like fasting. You don't get it until you try it. Until you fast, you can read all the books you want on fasting, but you won't existentially understand the power, the gift, the meaning, the importance of of, of interceding, Until you actually do it. So tonight we're going to talk about that. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. Drtomcurran.com. So tonight we're going to talk about that. How do we actually intercede in the course of our own life of faith. Well, there's one place where we do it. Fundamentally, most importantly, is at Mass. At Mass is the most perfect intercession that we'll ever do on earth because we're joining in heavenly worship. We're joining in heavenly worship, and one of the principal ends of the Mass is that God the Father wants to bless the world with salvation, with redemption. He does it through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross that becomes present here and gets poured out to our lives in the Eucharist. He loves you so much, he wants to pour good things into you. It's Christ's great act of intercession that we're drawn into. But there's a second part of this. And that's the role that you play when you come to Mass. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That's the part of the Mass where our eyes glaze over we're not really paying attention to what they're saying. That was a joke. It wasn't funny. (laughs) It's the point of the Mass where we are reminded, where we are drawn into the reality that on Earth as it is in heaven, they intercede in heaven. Let's be drawn into it on Earth. But do you realize the role that's yours at Mass? That you're at Mass not only for yourself, but you're at Mass for the sake of those that you would love to have there, but they're not there? Family members? I'm there on their behalf. Do you want to learn how to intercede? Receive communion on behalf of your loved one who doesn't go to Mass. Receive communion on behalf of those who don't have the opportunity to get to go to Mass. That's intercession. It's a powerful thing. To think that I'm here, not only for myself, but I'm here representing, carrying so many who aren't with me, and it breaks my heart that they're not with me. So I'm here on their behalf to plead for good things for them. That's intercession, right in the midst of our own experience. Mark chapter two, famous story of the of the four friends who carry the paralyzed man on the stretcher. You know the story. A couple of details you might not have the depths of, let's dig into it a little bit. Mark 2, we have the four guys carrying the stretcher, and they arrive at the house. Who's in the house? Jesus. But it's pretty crowded, right? Do you know why? It's Jesus's house. Let me say it again. It's Jesus's house. And the crowd is pouring out the door. And so the four men arrive carrying their paralyzed friend. They are going to get this one to Jesus. They're going to get this one to the feet of Jesus. And so they reach the crowd and they're like, oh, let's just wait our turn. Or, oh, we tried. Let's go home. No, you know what they do. Climb up on the roof. Okay, you have to stop and think about that. These guys are carrying a paralyzed man. And they're like, who thought of this? What should we do? I don't know. Can we kind of poke our way through? Can we just tap someone on the shoulder? No, I got it. Let's go on the roof. why? Well, we can dig a hole in the roof. Well, why? Well, then we can drop down our friend who's paralyzed right to the feet of Jesus. That's his roof. You think that's going to go over well? I think we want good things to happen. Why is this a good idea? They're not thinking of any of that. Do you know what they're thinking? No matter what else happens with my life, I'm going to get my friend to Jesus. I am not going to be stopped. So they climb up, they dig a hole. This would have been a mud roof. They dug a hole. It would have been messy as stuff dropped. And then they lower the friend down. That was not easy. Getting that that friend down to the ground. And then you know the story. What does Jesus say? Jesus does not say, seeing the faith of the paralyzed man, he says, your sins are forgiven. What does he say? Seeing their faith, the faith of the friends, wins the miracle of mercy for the paralyzed man. Your faith is so crucial in bringing about supernatural blessings miracles, breakthroughs. But the intercessor is the one who has the spirit that says, I will not be stopped. Now, I'm going to apply what I just said about how does God bring blessings. Remember the three ways? God blesses you apart from you, God blesses you despite you, and God blesses you with you. We all tend to think that the paralyzed man was in the third category Saying, I am really in a bad spot. Please, would you guys do me a big solid and carry me to Jesus? Maybe that was it, but maybe not. Maybe this paralyzed man was completely unconscious, wasn't even aware of what was going on as he got brought to Jesus. But did, did you imagine the scenario where the guy on the stretcher is complaining? Is saying, hey, stop carrying me like that. Can't you go faster? What are you guys doing? I don't want to go. Not everybody that you pray for is going to be friendly to you. Don't you know how much I'm praying for you? In fact, those are the hardest ones, and we have to get them to Jesus. What about in our tradition? That's just a scriptural image. In our tradition, how does intercession relate to mission? Well, Intercessors invigorate the spirit of the missionaries. I mentioned this, I think, last week. The story of Amalek attacking God's people in Exodus 17, right? Joshua goes and fights the battle. But what does Moses do? He goes to the top of the hill and he has his hands raised, interceding. And as long as he's interceding, Joshua is winning. When he gets too tired, Joshua is losing. The power and importance of intercession is that there are battles that come at us. It didn't say Moses and Joshua strategically planned to overtake the Amalekites and attack Amalek. No, Amalek came and waged war against the Israelites. My brothers and sisters, there are forces that are coming and waging war against you, against your marriage, against your family, against the church, against this generation. There's war being waged. And the church can go out and fight. But if that battle, if that energy going forth is not rooted in intercessory prayer, we won't have the power. We will not have the spiritual power we need to be victorious. The little flower, St. Therese, contemplatives contemplate on behalf Of the active. Oh, and remember what happened after Amalek got mowed down with the sword? God's message to Moses was go whisper in the ears of Joshua. God takes up his banner. Meaning, Joshua, don't get all full of yourself, man. You only won because of God's power at work in you because of them. And so a powerful reminder to us, if we experience victories, it may in fact be because of holy people that are providing spiritual dynamism in our world. In fact, there's a tradition that says the many live on the uh, live. On the grace and favor of the few. In other words, there are only a few, like really, really, really holy saints, that keep the whole rest of us going, because of how poured out they are, and they're giving themselves to God. So, what does an intercessor? What does it actually look like? Let's talk about the actual experience of being an intercessor. Well, let's start with the scriptures again. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. An intercessor is someone that is assigned by God. It's a call. It's an assignment that comes from God. And if you're here tonight, you might want to pray to be open to receive a call to be an intercessor. On behalf of whom? On behalf of what cause? On behalf of what initiative or ministry? I don't know. Let's be open and see. But let's talk about what it's like. Ezekiel 22.30 talks about... The, the Lord looking for intercessors. Thus, I have searched among them for someone who could build a wall or stand in the gap. That's an intercessor. An intercessor is someone who stands in the gap. Remember, what was the standing in the gap? I, I've shared this, I think, in, over the summer in those sessions. When a city was on a hill, it was encircled, and they would be protected by a wall, right? When they're on the top of a hill, you can't really be attacked from above, so it's a safe place to be. But when the enemy comes and attacks, they would be attacking different parts of the wall looking for a weak spot. And eventually they could, as a result of their attacks, begin to break down a section of the wall. And as that section of the wall began to break down, the enemy would gather its forces and put all of its might to continue to break open that gap, that hole in the wall. And this was the crucial moment in the battle because at that moment, when there is a gap in the wall, the uh, the invading army could rush through. And if they could get into the city, it was completely vulnerable, and they would surrender. The war is over. So at that moment, when there was a gap in the wall, the requirement was for the courageous soldiers to run and jump up into the gap, they'd be called to climb up into the gap, right where the fighting was fiercest, right where the attacks were the greatest, right where the enemy was focusing all of its energy, that's where the soldier stood who was standing in the gap. That experience, that's an intercessor. Will you pray for me? I'll pray for you. Lord, remember Johnny on my list. An intercessor stands in the gap. The fighting is fiercest. I'm going to expose myself to that attack in order to protect someone else. Now in in this is a pretty dramatic image. It comes from God. What's the Lord teaching us here? Well, first of all, it's teaching us we have a spiritual battle. Even if we can't see it, maybe it's just the human battles we're facing often, like a health situation, a financial condition, a broken relationship, some unfolding situation in our, in our family's life that is just spinning out of control and it's overwhelming us. Yeah, tease those things out, you're going to come to spiritual roots very often. And that's where the battle is the fiercest. Battle for hearts and minds, it's one in secret. I'll say it again. The battle for hearts and minds is one in secret. It's one when you are on your knees, crying out to the Lord on their behalf, and you're not going to stop until they change intercession, intercessor. Now, what's striking here is that the Lord says that he wants the intercessor to take up the part of the people, the sinful people, against him, not the part of God against the people. How often do we end up praying for those sinners over there that they would convert? You know, God, You and I, like, we're holy. Those poor people, man, I better pray for them. That's often how we pray. Like, man, they're struggling, and they're broken, and man, that's really hard what's happening to them over there. Thank goodness I'm over here with you, Lord. That's not the heart of the intercessor. The heart of the intercessor is, the Lord is saying, is over there, saying, help us, not help them. The intercessor doesn't say, help them. The intercessor, the, intercessor says, the intercessor says, save us, save me, save us. Lord, please rescue us. We are desperate for you. That's the intercessor, Moses. The Lord says, stand back, Moses. I'm going to destroy them. No, Lord. I'm going to be with them. Take, take, strike me down, but don't get them. You have to go through me to get to them, Lord. Abraham. I'm going to destroy the people. If they're 50, if they're 40, if they're 30, if they're 20, if they're 10, here's Abraham taking up the part of the people against God. And he does it because that's what God wants. That's how God establishes the reality of the intercessor. Remember, Ezekiel 2230, thus I've searched among them for someone who could build a wall and stand in the gap before me to keep me from destroying the land. But I found no one. Therefore, I've poured out my fury upon them. With my, my fiery wrath, I've consumed them. I brought down their conduct upon their heads, says the Lord. When there are no, none willing to be intercessors, the destruction comes. God wants the intercessor to hold back, to redeem, to set free from the destruction. I told you the story of Korah's rebellion. And Moses and these, people, these leaders among the Israelites saying, hey, the spirit of God's in work at us too. It shouldn't just be you, Moses. And he just falls on his face and says, God, please help. And the scourge is just destroying the people. And Moses doesn't sit back and say, ha, huh, you deserve it. She have been so disobedient. He says, Aaron, get out there with the censer. Get out there. And Aaron runs out into the midst with the censer and offers incense, and the scourge is warded off. Intercession. Intercession. Standing between life and death. It's a battle for souls. Okay, what happens when we start to intercede? When we open our lives to become intercessors, it changes us. It changes us. It's easy when you see or encounter something that makes you upset or become critical just to criticize. I was um, talking to Kerry at dinner one time, and I I was talking very critically about this guy in ministry I was helping. He has an apostolate. I was spending a lot of time serving him, helping him to grow it, And I came back, and I'm like, I'm just super frustrated with this guy. I can't believe it. And this is what he said, and this is what he's doing, and all this. And Kerry said, you know, you should probably stop criticizing him and just start praying for him. I'm like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Can you pass the milk? (laughs) I'm like, wow. Okay. So I did. And you know what happened when I started praying? I started complaining to God. Lord, I pray for so-and-so. Lord, I've been pouring out all this time to him, Lord. And this is what he did. Can you believe that, Lord? Like, what? I said, Lord, like, here are all these things, and, and he doesn't know how to do these things. And the Lord said, well, that's why I gave you the gifts, so you could share them with him. Ouch. Oh, that's right. What you gave me were gifts. And those gifts weren't only for me but they're meant for the body. And I'm supposed to share the gifts I've been given freely because I've been given to me freely and I'm a steward, not the owner. Oh. And then I said, but Lord, Lord, I've been pouring out all of this time and effort, all of this attention and energy, and he barely thanked me. And the Lord said, how do you like it? Wow. Okay, Lord, I'm learning. Intercession will change you. It'll change the intercessor. Uh, It'll also transform your heart. Uh, I remember hearing a homily one time was one of the missionaries visiting from Peru when he was talking about his mission to street kids. And some people like were moved and they gave money. But there were a few others who said, I heard something today that I cannot unhear. Those kids just moved in to my heart and I have to do something about it. That's what happens when we become intercessors. The transformation goes to the heart. And all of a sudden, our lives become shaped by the ones we're praying for, the ones that we're wanting to see God do good things for. Beautiful example, Romans 9, St. Paul. Now, listen to how St. Paul describes this, one. I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Like he uses three clauses to like describe how serious it is what he's about to say. Like I really mean this. He says there is great grief and constant pain in my heart. St. Paul. Great grief and constant pain in my heart. Indeed, I could even wish to be separated from Christ. Christ who is everything. Christ is life for him. Death is gain. I could even wish to be separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, the Israelites. Okay, I want you to ponder that for a minute. Romans 9, one of the very, very last books that he wrote, he's saying, great grief, constant pain, He could even wish to be separated from Christ. For the sake of who? The guys that stoned him to the point of death, beat him with rods, tracked him down and threw him in prison a bunch of times, tried to get him killed, were persecuting him at every turn. Those people? Yeah, those people lived in his heart in a way that was great grief and constant pain because of his love for them. No matter what they're doing to him, he's willing to endure even potentially hell to save his brothers who've been trying to kill him. That's what happens to the heart of an intercessor. Now, how can that be? Well, it's because the heart of the intercessor isn't just sensitive, To people's sufferings. The heart of the intercessor is sensitive to the suffering in the heart of God. Exodus 3 Moses, burning bush. Why does the Lord appear to Moses in the burning bush? Because Moses, I have heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I have seen their sufferings, and I am going to do something about it. All right, let me ask you the question. What act, according to the Catechism of the Church, Catholic Church, what particular moment, what particular action in the life of Jesus is the bringing together of all of the petitions, And intercessory prayers of all people from all time. They've all been gathered together into one moment in the life of Christ. Do you know what that moment is? It's the moment where Jesus cries out his inarticulate scream before he dies. Jesus prays for us in our place and on our behalf. All our petitions were gathered up once for all in his cry on the cross. That's paragraph 2741. Paragraph 2606. All the troubles for all time of humanity enslaved by sin and death, all the petitions and intercessions of salvation history are summed up in this cry of the incarnate word. Want to become an intercessor? You are being drawn into an intimate and profound communion with Jesus Christ crucified. And specifically at that moment, where he cries out in agony before he dies. So when we say, oh, yeah, I'm willing to become an intercessor. Just be aware of what you're signing up for. Okay, well, what do we need to become great intercessors? Because the Lord needs great intercessors today. Well, if the thing that holds us back is a lack of faith, hope, and love, the things that we need are faith, hope, and love. So first of all, we need faith, and that is trust that God hears our prayer. In Luke chapter 1, you have the story of Zechariah in the temple, right? Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're older, they have not conceived, they're righteous, He's a priest. They're living holy lives, honoring the Lord, and yet they're childless. And this is a cause of shame for Elizabeth. It's a pain and a suffering for them in their lives. Now, it says that in Zechariah, you probably know the story, Zechariah is serving. He's taking his turn in the temple, serving as a priest. His name was drawn by Lot, and so he's offering the evening sacrifice. Okay. To understand how important this was, be drawn by lottery. There were probably 20,000 priests at that time in Israel. Do you know how many times in his life he would get to offer the evening sacrifice once? One time he got to perform that act as a priest in his whole life, and he got chosen at that moment. Now, what's the meaning of the act? When he goes in to offer sacrifice, he's offering incense before the presence of the Lord. That is an act... Of intercession. It's an act whereby he, the priest, is saying, hey, all you people, I'm taking all of your prayer requests, all of your petitions, you're putting them in my hands, and I am going to offer them before the good and holy God with great confidence that he hears and answers our prayers. So you are entrusting to me that great act of faith that says we can trust in God and we can entrust Our petitions to God. And now, at this moment, when he's offering the sacrifice in this great act of intercession, saying, Lord, we have confidence in you that you will hear our prayer and you will answer them, he sends an angel, Gabriel, and angel says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And he says, How am I supposed to know that? I'm like, Talk about set up for success. Like you are literally performing a once in a lifetime act of intercession, saying, I'm standing in a representational role that we fundamentally and ritually have confidence that God hears and answers our prayers. And then when God sends an angel to say your prayer has been heard, he says, What are you talking about? Prove it. Oh, yeah, you remember that prayer that you prayed for a son? I pray you prayed for a child. He says, Your prayer has been heard. Now, the tense of that verb is not your prayer is right now finally being heard. The tense of the verb is, your prayer was heard when you first prayed it. And it's continued to being heard in the present. But now is when It's being answered. But your prayer was always heard. So the prayer of an intercessor is one who says, when I don't see the fulfillment of the prayer that I expect, that doesn't mean that God hasn't heard. St. Augustine says in the Catechism, don't be troubled If you do not immediately receive from God what you ask him, for he desires to do something even greater for you while you cling to him in prayer. You see, when we pray and our prayer isn't heard, what do we do? We stay close, or we should. We cling to him. We entrust ourselves in this situation to him. So an intercessor is not one and done. I tried it. He didn't answer. No, I'm one and I'm staying until it's done. Because I know I've got a faithful God who has heard my prayer. And I'm going to keep clinging to him. Well, Augustine talks about this desire. And, he, and he, this, is, this, this is my popular way of explaining his theology that what you're asking for is a good that's bigger than the capacity that the situation or the person has to receive it. So as you pray, you're exercising desire to stretch the situation so it's big enough to receive the grace you're asking for. But you've got to keep asking for it. You've got to keep stretching so that it becomes big enough to receive what you've been asking for. Here's how Hans Urs von Balthasar puts it. He says, the person who has a lively faith may have permission to penetrate the will of God and wrestle from him things which a less committed person would not receive. Jacob wrestles with God, with God's messenger. And what does he say? I'm not going to stop until you bless me. When Balthazar, the person who has a lively faith, may have permission to penetrate the will of God and wrestle from him things which a person less committed would not receive. God has so many good things for us that are left ungiven because we stop asking. Saint Teresa of the Child Jesus, about having confidence and vigilance in prayer, She says, believe in the truth of my words. We never have too much confidence in the good God, so powerful and so merciful. We obtain from him as much as we hope for. Hope means confident vigilance. Don't give up. If you like that one, you'll love this one. From everybody's favorite, St. Matilda of Magdeburg. This is God talking to her. I tell you the truth, in truth, it is a great joy for me when people expect great things from me. However great may be their faith and their boldness, I will overwhelm them far beyond their deserts. In fact, it is impossible that they not receive what they believed and hoped for from my power and my mercy. That's the importance of intercession. But not just faith, not just hope, love. I'm getting close to the end. So love here means being brought in union, sharing in Christ's passionate love to redeem. Forging one's whole life into an offering for others. Did you hear that? That's what love is. That's faith, hope, and love we received at baptism. We receive an infusion of the love of God, which is an urge to give of our very selves, to give ourselves, not just time, not just energy, not just effort, to give ourselves, sacrificially even, on behalf of others. That's donatio. That's to give as a gift. Christian love is self-giving to the point of self-sacrifice. Now, this is where I'm going to tell you how you can impact eternity. And it is something that came from the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. So the three shepherd children, 10, nine and seven. right? These little children, these two girls and a boy, two cousins, a brother, sister and a cousin. They became intercessors because of love. What happened to them? The Blessed Mother said, you're going to have a vision of hell. And what they saw were souls falling into hell like snowflakes. And they were frightened, they were shocked it was so overwhelming to them that the blessed mother took them and then gave them a vision of heaven to wash away that vision that they had but it impacted them so greatly why are these souls falling like snowflakes into hell she said they're poor sinners who have no one to pray for them or to offer sacrifices for their sins there's no one to pray to do penance, to make reparation for their sins. Now, you hear about the six months of visions and the miracle of the sun, but do you hear much about what happened to their lives afterwards? For Sister Lucia, you know, she lived all the way to 2005, right? But Jacinta and Francisco, they died short, much shorter lives. And um, they spent their lives... Offering up sacrifices, doing penances for poor souls who were near to death but far from God. Poor sinners who were near to death but far from God. It says, uh, Jacinta, born, she died at a very young age, like 11. She bore many other crosses spontaneously as if she had an insatiable hunger to immolate herself. This was a Vatican document about her being named venerable. She restrained her will and her temperament and was obedient to her parents and her older brothers and sisters. She deprived herself of food to give it to the poor. She did not drink water, especially in the summer heat. As a form of penance, she wore a rope around her waist. She endured everything that was disagreeable in a spirit of penance and oblation. She expressed her manner of acting and praying. Oh, my Jesus! It is for love, for you, for the conversion of sinners, and a reparation for their sins. I'm trying to rescue sinners who are near to death but far from God. I have a prediction. I don't want to call it a prophecy, but a prediction that there's gonna be a new devotion in the life of the church, not to the holy souls in purgatory, but a devotion of redemptive rescue, a devotion of intercessory rescue, where people are willing to offer prayers, penance, and sufferings for souls near to death, but far from God. What am I saying? 500, you know what that is? 500. That's about the number of people who died while I've been talking. But it's about every seven or eight seconds someone dies. Of those 500 people, were all of them free from mortal sin? Were all of them ready to meet Jesus? Were all of them in a state of grace? Were all of them ready to meet their judge? Were they? In just this past hour? What if you could rescue a soul? trapped in spiritual death like Lazarus in the tomb what if you could be a redemptive intercessor where jesus do you know jesus he rose lazarus from the raised lazarus from the dead in john 11 but he needed some help what was the help he needed roll away the stone lazarus doesn't come out unless some people roll away the stone through your intercessory prayer, you can say to God tonight, tonight, Lord, I know there's someone near to death right now that is not ready to meet you, trapped in mortal sin. Please accept the suffering I'm enduring. Please accept this rosary that I'm praying on my knees to please God, rescue this soul from falling into hell. Please accept my penance on their behalf. I don't even know them. You know who they are. You know who's approaching death. You know that they're lost, and they don't even realize how lost they are. Rescue them, O God, for that is your will for them, and I will join in it. I will stand in the gap between heaven and hell. I will not allow that snowflake to fall into the lake of fire I will stand at that gate so that that soul gets rescued. Imagine what happens when you get to heaven. Imagine your heaven when you get there and these souls come to you and they say, Thank you. You devoted time to my rescue. You didn't watch Netflix that night. You didn't just take it easy and kick back. You sacrificed something and I was saved. I think that's a devotion the church needs. The intercessor's devotion to literally stand at the doorway of death for those who are lost and about to die. That's Our Lady of Fatima. And I don't know why we haven't picked it up, but I do know that the devil's done a really good job in this past century of diminishing any mention at all of prayers of penance and reparation on behalf of poor sinners, not to mention our own sin. So it seems to me that we're living in a time where the call to stand in the gap, The intercessor's call can reinvigorate the spirituality of the church. That on earth as it is in heaven, heaven desires the salvation of all. Lord, let that desire live in me. Make your heart, Jesus, in your hearts cry, live in me. That I would have great grief and constant pain in my heart on behalf of these poor sinners that are near to death, but far from God take up that devotion, makes life really clear. What am I doing with this one life that I get to live? Let's pray to become intercessors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, I thank you and praise you for all of the ways that you take care of us and bless us all the good gifts that you have poured out upon our lives. Lord, I ask that you would give us the grace tonight to grow in the gift of intercession. And Lord, if, if you could give us that capacity, that willingness to also become an intercessor, first of all, for our own families, for those we love, that we'd realize the gift you've given to us to be vigilant in prayer and hoping and expecting great things from you and coming before you in love and pouring ourselves out and not stopping until you answer. Lord, give us that grace. But Lord, also widen our hearts to that cause, to that mission, to that purpose, where your heart could become alive in us for the least, the lost, and the last, for the little ones. And yes, Lord, for those that are near to death, but far from God. We say yes, Lord, in this one life that we are privileged to live, that we would be useful to you in bringing salvation to the world. Mother Mary and St. Joseph, pray for us. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.